0: Hi, Welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. We started out by talking about the shepherds, and we talked about the, the wise men. And this week, this week, we're going to talk about Mary. So Mary became pregnant pretty young. She was probably between 12 and 14 years old. That was their culture back then. And to be pregnant and to not be married yet, that was a terrible thing in those days. She was looked down upon as a sinner, an outcast, probably not even allowed to go into the tabernacle during that time. Now, the punishment for her perceived sin of being pregnant outside of wedlock was death death by stoning. This is where they would surround an individual and pick up large boulders and, and hurl them at the, the person in the middle until they died of blunt trauma. That's what she deserved according to Hebrew law of that time. So as, as Mary is pregnant and starting to show, I'm sure she felt anxious. She's probably wondered, am I going to live or die? Not sure of that. Or is, is Joseph going to marry me or is he not going to marry me? What kind of home am I going to have to raise up my newborn child? And she was worried and, and nervous and anxious, I'm sure. But in our scripture today, in our scripture, we're going to read about how God intervenes and brings her hope and brings her peace. So I'm going to be in the the book of Luke, and you can turn there if you would like. We're going to be reading the whole Christmas story today. Um, Excited to read it. I love this time of year when we remember Jesus's birth. So I'll be reading from Luke 1, 26 through 38. Then I'll be in Matthew 1, 18 through 24, and we'll find out. We'll finish up in Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was... to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to um, read about Joseph's response. So, a little bit about Joseph. So, Joseph is thought to have been around 30 years of age. That was kind of the normal uh, age difference at that time. The marriage was most likely arranged by both of their parents. And this had been in the works for many years. And things that are a little bit different today than back then. So back then when you were pledged to be married, that was really the contract at that time. That's when the bride price would have been paid. A contract, more or less, would have been made. And you were pledged to this man to be married. And so really all that was waiting was the actual wedding ceremony that was going to happen in a few months or maybe a year out. Now, so you can imagine Joseph's surprise when he finds out that Mary is pregnant. And so we'll pick up from that, uh, chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Gabriel told Mary, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Then wrapping up the story, Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. So Mary was perceived to be a sinner, a young girl who was pregnant outside of wedlock. And Jesus brought hope, brought hope. So that's the title of today's message is A New Hope, Restoration for the Sinner. And I'm going to give you a couple of points of how Jesus' birth brings restoration to us, can bring restoration to us. But let me pray, and then I'll give those to you. So, Father, we come to you and we thank you for your son, Jesus, who came 2,000 years ago, was born to a virgin in a barn. But it was that special, special birth that fulfilled prophecy and had Jesus become our Messiah. So we thank you for that. I pray, God, that you would speak to us today through your word, and challenge us in our hearts, God. We invite your Holy Spirit to be here, to minister to us throughout this service. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, a couple of points. You can fill these in on your handout. Jesus' birth brings restoration by, number one, changing our identity. Changing our identity. Let me read verses 18 and 19. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So her identity was that she was the girl who was pregnant outside of being married. And back then, that was a terrible Terrible thing. I know it's kind of hard for us to see it. We, we can see that as a bad thing now, but we have reality TV shows called 16 and Pregnant or Teen Mom. So you can actually be a celebrity because you're a teenager and you're pregnant outside of a wedding. But I will say, just a few decades ago, if you were pregnant in high school, you were expelled. They didn't let you graduate, they didn't even let you attend. And today, today, again, things are very different. There's many high schools that have a daycare so that the the teenage mothers can go to school while their children are being watched. Guys, things have changed quite a bit. And if we want to understand what Mary was going through, we have to kind of go back and think about it from her perspective. She's pregnant. She's three months along. She's starting to show. Joseph finds out. I mean, that's a terrible thing. He finds out. Of course, I'm sure he's mad about the whole thing. She knows what's going to happen. He's going to confront her. But what she doesn't know is he he going to out her and throw her out into the public for disgrace, but more than that, to be stoned and killed? Because that's what happened back then. And they would be calling her names, things like, adulterer or sinner or maybe even worse. This is what was going to happen to her. But instead, he marries her, which is helpful. I mean, kind of restores some of her dignity. But you know that she was the talk of the town. She was the one who got pregnant. Even though Joseph married her, there's probably a lot of question as to, well, I don't even know if it's Joseph's kid. Wonder who the father is. You know, as she would walk by, you can imagine what they were thinking. Well, God changed Mary's identity, which I think is a cool thing. He he predicted it when when the angel Gabriel showed up. The angel Gabriel said, uh, called her highly favored, the most blessed among women. I can tell you in those months when she was pregnant and showing and wasn't married, she probably didn't feel most favored, most blessed. But later on, she becomes Mary, the mother of Christ, the Messiah. I mean, God starts working on her identity even when she didn't feel it, even when she didn't see it. It changes so much because I I believe during that time they, they would just curse her many times when they would see her. Because of her perceived sin. But there's a section of scripture. I read it just this week. Where Jesus is teaching. And someone yells out in the crowd. This is Luke chapter 11. Blessed is the mother who gave you birth. And nursed you. That might have been the first time. If Mary had been in the crowd. that She heard someone bless her. Instead of curse her. Can you imagine how that felt? at that time. Her whole life kind of talked bad about, made fun of. And she didn't do anything wrong, but it didn't matter. That's what it appeared. And in a moment, she starts to see the change that's happening. She's going to be blessed Mary, blessed Mary. And her story will be told for thousands of years. So she starts to feel a glimpse of her identity changing. Well, God is in the identity changing business. He really is. I'm so glad that he is. Another Bible character I want to talk about is Simon. He becomes Peter. He's one of the 12 disciples. But he didn't start out that way. Simon was a fisherman, which means he was a sailor, right? And we've all heard the saying, curse like a sailor. Well, that was probably Simon. He was rough around the edges. Even when he was a follower of Christ, he was the one that always kind of put his foot in his mouth, if you remember him in the stories. But he was a sinner. And he knew he was a sinner. He was a rough sailor. The first time that he meets Jesus, Jesus shows up and and does this big miracle. and, And Simon catches all these fish. And he goes, oh man, this is a man of God. And immediately he's convicted. He comes up. To Jesus. And he says in Luke chapter 5. When Simon Peter saw this. He fell at Jesus' knees and said. Go away from me Lord. I am a sinful man. That was his identity. Man I am the sailor. I say a lot of things. I'm far from being a righteous man. That was his identity. But then Jesus said to Simon in verse 10. Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish. For people, So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. So now you got Simon, who's this rough sailor guy and everybody knew them. I mean, it was, the villages were small. They all knew Simon. He'd be walking behind Jesus and they might be calling out, hey Simon, you got one of those dirty jokes that you always used to tell me? Or maybe there were times, I mean really, this is what was happening. Maybe there were those times When Simon would be, you know, hit his finger and he'd let some curse word fly and everybody be looking, oh, that's that's Simon. We know him. He's that fisherman. But Jesus saw more than how he was brought up, saw more than who he was, and, and he saw his potential. He later on changes his name from Simon to Peter. Now, Peter means stone or rock. In Matthew chapter 16, he says, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Simon becomes Peter. He becomes a pillar in the church. And it changes him. God changes his identity. God doesn't really care much about our past. Just a side note. He really doesn't care much about our past. Both our sins and even our accomplishments. He really doesn't care about that. He cares about where we are today and where we're headed. That's what he cares about. And he said, Peter, (laughs) I'm going to build my church on you. He's like, me? I just cussed right there over around the tree, you know? And he's like, no, I'm going to build my church on you. He changes his identity. And so much so that Peter does become a leader in the first century church. He is the foundation of the church. In fact, after Jesus died and rose again and went up to heaven, Peter kind of took over, became the leader. And he preached his first sermon on the day of Pentecost. And 3,000 people were added to the church that day. 3,000 people. not bad for a rough, fisherman, uneducated guy. But God can change our identity. He can do it in a moment. Now let's talk about the devil. The devil wants to keep us down, right? He wants to remind us of every mistake we've ever made. That's what he wants to do. He's called the accuser of the brethren. And he wants to identify us by the mistakes we've made. Oh, you've lied, so you're a liar. You've committed adultery, so you're an adulterer. You've stolen, so you're a thief. That's what he wants to do. He wants to remind us of every mistake we've ever made. I love the saying, the devil knows your name, but calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but calls you by your name. God knows every mistake we've ever made. And he calls us, by our name, he calls us chosen. He calls us son. He calls us daughter. Guys, our sins, our mistakes, they don't have to identify us. They don't have to define us. You know, Satan might call us a liar, but Jesus says the truth will set us free. Free from the bondage of sin. Satan might call us an adulterer. But Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus, or Satan might call us a thief, but Jesus said to the thief on the cross, he said, today, today you will be with me in paradise. So when we decide to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and accept his death as payment for our sins, we become adopted into the family of God. And let me tell you that God is a king. And if we're part of that family, what does that make us? That makes us royalty, right? That's who we are. That's who we are. You can write this down. When I become part of God's family, my identity changes from pauper to prince, from pauper to princess. He changes us. He changes who we are, what we're known by. That's point number one. Jesus' birth brings restoration by changing our identity. It's what he did for Mary. But then also, more than that, point number two, he changes our destiny. He changes our destiny. Not just who we are, but where we're headed. Again, going back to Mary. Mary deserved to be stoned according to Jewish law. What they perceived she had done. Now, fortunately, Joseph marries her, doesn't, you know, doesn't divorce her. But if he had divorced her quietly, she might have survived, but then she would have been a single mother. And that's not a good thing in the Jewish culture. So no righteous Jewish man would have married her. She would have been single. She, her only chance of probably being married would be to marry a foreigner or move to a foreign country. She might have even had to resort to prostitution just to put food on the table. I mean, that was Mary's destiny. Death, divorce, possibly prostitution. That's where she was headed. But God changed her future, changed her destiny. I mean, Mary ends up getting married to Joseph, and they have more children. She ends up becoming a mother of many. And her name is restored later on. Well, when Jesus enters our life, it changes our destiny as well. So let's first talk about what our destiny is. Because every one of us, whether we know it or not, we are a sinner. Every one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. Each one of us. myself included. I think I was probably sinning in the womb. I don't know. I just that sin is so easy for me. So I think I was sinning really early on. Every one of us is a sinner. Now here's the problem though. The wages of sin is death. The payment for sin is death. Because of my sin, somebody has to die. Because of your sin, somebody has to die. And the right person to do that is me, right? I should die for my own sin. You should die for your own sin. That's the payment expected for each one of us. But Jesus came as the payment for my sin. He offered his life as the perfect sacrifice for my sin. Which is amazing to me that he would do that. The second part of Romans 6:23 says for the wages Wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We can have eternal life because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for us. Now, it's a gift. Eternal life is a gift. And we all know gifts this time of year, right? We've been buying them. We're looking forward to receiving them. You know, there's probably some gifts under the Christmas tree for you. Maybe not for you, Noah. But for most people, there's probably a Christmas (laughs) present under the tree. But, you know, if there's a gift under the tree that's given to you, you still have to receive it, right? I mean, there's still a process of receiving. Because we can reject gifts. If somebody's trying to give us something we don't like that person, we can say, no, I don't want it. So there's a process of receiving a gift and opening it and putting on the sweater or whatever. You know, that kind of thing. Well, it's, it's the same way with eternal life. Jesus has offered eternal life to each one of us. Every one of us. That gift is laid out for every one of us. It's a gift, but we have to receive it. That process of receiving the gift of eternal life is outlined in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. It says If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. There's an and in there. There's there's two things that are outlined in the scripture on receiving the gift of salvation. The first one is believing that Jesus is who he said he is. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes under the Father except through me. He said it. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the Son of God. He came, he died, he rose again, he's in heaven today. That's who Jesus is. And, and you know, that's, you can't have a savior of, in Jesus if you don't believe that's who he is. So that's the first part of receiving the gift of salvation, is you got to believe he is who he said he is. Now in our world today, there's a lot of people that believe that. A lot of people believe that. But I believe there are a lot of people who aren't going to make it to heaven one day because of the second part of receiving it. It's more than believing. There's a scripture that says, you believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and tremble. And guess what? Those demons aren't going to make it in heaven one day. And they believe that God is who he says he is. They know he is. There's a second piece. that says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And I want to sit on that for a little bit. Declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. There's this verbal confession of saying, Jesus is Lord. And I'm not just saying Lord of the universe. That's part of the belief side. No, there's a confession that says, Jesus is my Lord. My Lord. Which means we can't have two Lords, right? it's either going to be me, I'm Lord of my life, or God's Lord of my life. It takes this confession. It takes putting God in the place that he needs to be, which is king of the world and king of me. It means that I'm not calling the shots anymore. It means God's calling the shots. That I'm going to pursue him and, and his will for my life. And I think that there are going to be many people one day who are going to stand before God and say, Man, I believed you. I believed you were who you were, who you said you were. And Jesus is going to go, Yeah, but you didn't do anything I said for you to do. Didn't do anything. You didn't even ask. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I think there are going to be many people who are deceived that day. So, it's a belief and it's a confession. And when we do that, then we receive this gift of eternal life salvation through Jesus Christ. That's the best gift that we can receive this Christmas season. I'm going to invite you all to stand and Krista to come on up here. Because I'd like to give you guys an opportunity today. It's a simple opportunity to confess that Jesus is my Lord. That's it. It's just to to verbally confess, to publicly profess that Jesus is my Lord. And so today for you, if you've never done that before, I want to just encourage you, do it today. Don't let another day go by before you would do that. And also, if you've done this before, you know the drill, you've, you've accepted Christ, you might have even been baptized before, but in today's message, you're just realizing, man, I confess that God was Lord, but I'm sure not living like it. But today, I want to re-up Then this is for you as well. What I'm going to do is just give you an opportunity to come up here Anyone that just wants to make that public profession today that Jesus is my Lord, and we'll just do a, a, a group prayer. We'll give you an opportunity just to, just to do that. Get things right with God. And the whole church body will just be singing a song over us while we do that, all right? Let me pray, though, before I give that opportunity. So, God, I, I pray that you would move in people's hearts right now. You know, <laughs> you know Lord. Who in this auditorium needs to respond to this opportunity today? And God, I pray that you would move in their hearts, that nothing would dissuade them from coming forward to receive the gift of salvation and forgiveness of our sins. And Satan, I come against you and all your unclean spirits in Jesus' name. You have no authority in this place. And we just command you to be silent and ineffective. Holy Spirit, have your way. Amen. All right, so if that's you and you know you need to come up, come on up right now. Thank you, guys. Yeah, if you're on the inside of an aisle and you need to make room, just push people and come on up. Anyone else? You know that this message is for you today. And you'll probably know because your heart's beating kind of fast right now and you're like, no way, I'm not going to go up there. One day, every one of us is going to stand before God. And if you're supposed to be up here today, he'll probably remind you of today, right? (laughs) Thanks for coming up. Anyone else? Today is your day to receive the gift of salvation. And if you've done that before, today could be the day to reestablish God's kingship in your life, his lordship in your life. Anyone else? Where you know it's you. I said this last service, and I sense it today as well. You may be th- hearing in your mind, I don't have to go up there to profess it. I can just pray right here where I'm standing. And you can. I will tell you, you can. But there is power when you publicly profess your allegiance with God. So if that's you and the enemy is just trying to convince you that you don't need to come forward, you can stand right there, I just want to encourage you, come on up here. Is there anyone? Anyone else?
1: Wait just another
0: second. (laughs) I feel like there might be somebody who's just hanging on going, boy, I hope he doesn't ask one more time. But you know you're supposed to be here. Is there anyone else? You just know it. Just give in. It's not a scary thing. It's the best thing they could ever do. Thank you for coming up. Yeah. All right. Well, church body, I'm going to pray with this group over here. And I want you guys to sing your guts out, all right? This is a song about the joy of the Lord and the joy of our salvation, okay? So you guys just be singing while we pray, and then I'll close. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofinner.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.